Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck Thompson. And alongside of me for Dumb Bleep is Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston, the creator, founder, and Dumb Bleep finder extraordinaire. You're actually the founder of this podcast, not... Not the me. Podcast itself, but not dumb bleep. Oh, the segment. No, no. no. That, that was, was your idea. That was all me. And I love to give credit in places that credit is earned. We had to do a special dumb bleep yesterday because there were so many dumb bleeps. You did two dumb bleeps in a row. Yeah. So this is dumb bleep part mm-hmm. two. And I have to say, so yesterday we issued a retraction, a correction, because of mm. that Boston Children's Hospital thing from last week. You remember that with the hysterectomies? Yes. Well, it turned out that. They don't offer those for people under 18. It's just a children's hospital talking about hysterectomies. I don't know why you would assume that they offer them for children. but Oh, so you could go to the children's hospital to get one if I don't, you were over 18. Yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that. But anyway, yesterday we talked about this article uh, called, uh, we, have to, we need to stop calling breastfeeding natural. And it actually won. Now, this is two winners in a row where I have to clarify something. I realized afterwards that this article that we read and made fun of, and it was uh, and it was awesome. You're right. And we made fun of it yesterday. That article was from 2016. I didn't see that when I looked at it. And so still dumb. It is but still it really wasn't dumb. of the week. And there are still people who believe that. But the problem is that I tied it in because they didn't want to call it natural because it could cause vaccine hesitancy because the vaccines aren't natural. Well, I assumed that this is something that came about because of COVID hysteria. And so we tied that in to the COVID vaccines. Mm. Turns out that was an article from 2016. So I just want everyone to know that that idea is still really dumb. But they had this dumb idea even before the year 2020. For six years. Yeah, they've been dumb for longer than we thought. (laughs) So that's my apology. I love your retractions yeah. <laughs> and everything. <laughs> By the way, if you're not signed up for the live group, you're missing out. We had a whole discussion about your favorite the movie scene and well, actor and the best performance ever in any movie, any category, anything like that. Like the actual like the the performance of the actor that made you believe so much that it was real, brought you all the emotions, whether it's laughter, anger, Sadness, happiness, whatever it is. What was the best performance by an actor ever in a film? Ever, ever. Which you could even go to Broadway if you want to. It's a really difficult thing to to answer. And everyone, I want you to think about it and send me an email, charlie at goodmorningliberty.us, about Mm -hmm. who you think it is. I picked one that was out there, and I'll tell you at the end of the show. Yep. All right, I, I check my email and I check it often, and I do not. So let's get into the dumb bleep. So it's been. I didn't even tell them how to go join. Oh yeah, let me finish that. Okay, 
You just, Nate wants to just jump right in. You're the one with the hard stuff. We have a time limit. Yeah. Which we <laughs> so do. So I just want to jump in. <laughs> Go to joingml.com. Joingml.com and be part of that. And uh, it, it's a lot of fun. All right, Nate. Now we can let's go. Okay, let's get wait. Into one more th- thing. Yeah, I don't have, <laughs> I don't have anything. Go. Today we get to talk a little bit about this whole Trump thing going on with the FBI search. We got a few dumb bleeps to go along with that. Actually, dumb bleeps one through three have to do with Trump and some dumb stuff that has been said. You've likely heard about these things because they were so dumb. Everyone else picked up on them as well. The first one goes to. Former CIA director Michael Hayden, or Hayden, however you say it. I don't care. But Edward Luce says, I've covered extremism and violent ideologies around the world over my career. Have never come across a political force more nihilistic, dangerous, and contemptible than today's Republicans. Nothing close. Now think about that for a second. They've covered extremism and violent ideologies around the world. Now, what kind of pops up in your head with that? Probably a few immediately. Oh, it's got to be like Great Britain. (laughs) Like Australia. You know, like like ISIS or like actual terrorist cells where they blow things up. Mm -hmm. Couldn't be like Kim Jong-un. Kill thousands of people. Kim Jong-un. No. Nothing like that in North Korea. But they've never seen one that was more nihilistic, dangerous, no more dangerous or contemptible than today's Republicans. And there's nothing even close is what the guy said. Michael Hyden says, I agree. And I was the CIA director. Now, I love that the former CIA director had to put in a tweet that he was the former CIA director. That's how you know you made it. All right. (laughs) But he says, I agree. Now, imagine this for a second. There's a group of people who think that there is a deep state and there is this bureaucracy who hate people on the right so much that they will do anything to take them down. And you see someone say a ridiculous statement like today's Republicans are worse than any of the extremist ideologies that this person has ever seen. And then the former director of the CIA says that they agree with them. And then you're supposed to be like, oh, no, there's no deep state conspiracy to try and take down anyone at all. That's ridiculous. Nope. That's a really dumb idea. Nothing about it at all. So anyway. That's a hot start. That is a a start with number one right there. Uh, Number two is actually a a video, and so is number three. So we'll get into that. This is from CNN. How should this story be covered in in the eyes of Sam Donaldson? Well, you know, when I heard about it, the fact that the FBI had seized from his safe and other places these documents, which should be held someplace else, particularly the top secret ones, which must be held someplace else. It may be a violation of the Espionage Act of 1917. That's a very serious crime. I thought of Al Capone. Now, Al Capone was a great big gangster in the 1920s and 30s, bootlegged millions of gallons of whiskey. That was illegal. But more than that, a lot of credible evidence that he had ordered the murder of many people. But they never brought him to justice on that. But wait a moment. The IRS discovered that Al Capone was cheating on his income taxes. And so they brought him to justice on that. He went to prison. That's where he died. If the attorney general cannot bring himself because of lack of evidence or belief that the country is not ready to bring a president on charges of insurrection or obstruction of justice, 
How about violation of laws which keep this country safe, like the Espionage Act? If there's credible evidence, I think more of the American public would say, well, yeah, he shouldn't have done that. Let's see what the jury of his peers provides for. Al Capone-like. Al Capone. So when you think of Al Capone, I mean, you think of Trump as well. And that's how crazy the rhetoric has really gotten. I mean, to just make that with a straight face. Well, he's the most nihilistic, contemptible, and dangerous the worst Republican out there. Al Capone, who likely murdered tons of people or ordered the murders of tons of people and was breaking the law all the time. And they got him with with his income taxes. You know, that's just like this right here. Trump and Al Capone. Mm -hmm. That's how violent and extreme this ideology is. So that's number two. I believe this was, let me see, Jim Acosta. And who's the, is it Sam Donaldson that's with him? Yeah, that's that's who it is. That's uh, that's pretty good. And Matt Matt just said, saying the quiet part out loud. Uh, Let's go to more saying the quiet part out loud. From, oh, who's who's that going to be? Sam Harris. Now, this one was disappointing to me. That was number two. This is number three. This was, uh, this was disappointing because I looked at Sam Harris as a guy who's overly objective, uh, very... He has in, a book about telling and, the truth. And intellectual. And now he told the truth. That's the thing. He did tell the truth. He said the quiet part out loud. No, I'm, well, what I'm saying is what he advocates for is not telling the truth. It, and the That's truth. the problem. And he wrote a whole <laughs> yeah. book about it. He literally advocates. I read his book about lying and how bad it is. Let's see. Being deceptive. It's horrible. He had some great debates with, uh, with Jordan Peterson, right? I mean, he's been yeah. all over the place. He's been on Rogan and all that. And, you know, I just, even though I disagree with him on a lot of stuff, He's the one who talks about what determinism and all, and all that, right? Yeah. Is that Sam Harris? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I disagree with him on a lot of stuff. He literally has a book titled, it's titled Lying by Sam Harris. <laughs> well, let's see what he had I've, to say. I've read it. Here we go. I mean, Hunter Biden, at that point, Hunter Biden literally could have had, had the corpses of children in his basement. I would not have cared, right? It's like, it's, there's nothing. First of all, it's Hunter Biden, right? It's not, it's like, it's not Joe Biden, but... Even if Joe, like, even the, whatever scope of Joe Biden's corruption is, like, if you, if we could just go down that rabbit hole endlessly and and understand that he's getting kickbacks from Hunter Biden's deals in Ukraine or wherever else, right, or China, it is infinitesimal compared to the corruption we know Trump is involved in. It's like it's like it's like a firefly to the sun, right? I mean, like, the, the- no, wait, hold on, before we go all the way through the thing. It's uh, compared to the corruption that we know Trump is involved in. Russia. Right. Yeah. What? What? Yeah. What corruption? What? And I'm not saying he's not involved in any corruption, but what compared to compared to what we know really about Hunter Biden and likely Joe Biden as well, compared to the speculation about Trump that they still haven't been able to get him on. I mean, you realize they have been doing everything they can to take him down for six years now. And they still, those 87,000. The entirety of the government's focus. The 87,000 people they're talking about hiring, they need that many people just for the Trump investigations. That's why they had to up the budget. And and they still haven't been able to get it. He literally had his campaign spied on. Now you have the J6, the worst day in American history since 9-11 in Pearl Harbor. 
where Trump said things that people disagree with, and I don't agree with everything that he said. But then other people went out there. One of his supporters got shot by one of the Capitol Police, and some other people died later afterwards. And he made a statement that said, go home. Yeah. Be peaceful. He said that. And but so what is it that he's talking about? What that's that's so terrible and so important that we have to do what he is about to say here in a sec. I don't know what it is. There's just it doesn't even it doesn't even stack up against Trump University, right? Trump University as a story is worse than anything that could be in, in Hunter Biden's laptop, in my view. Right now, that's not that doesn't answer the people who say it's still complete. Now, hold on. Can, I need someone in the group to fill me in on Trump University as a story. And what is it? I, I think that there was a university, uh, maybe, here's my assumption, because I will say straight up out front, I have not actually dug into that or read about it at all. Was there a fraudulent university maybe wasn't actually accredited that people paid to go to and it turned out to be some kind of scam? Okay. That's not good. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't know exactly. There's other things where he's done where he hasn't paid contractors for buildings yeah. and stuff like that. That's all bad. Yeah. Okay. Not good stuff. And that, like defrauding people who were going to college, and I don't know how many people it was, probably a lot of people, and there's fine people on both sides. Similar things to what Bernie Sanders and his wife are doing. Would be worse than like secretly working with people in the Chinese government or the Ukrainian government or whatever that, that happened with Joe Biden and Hunter Biden, whatever happened at Trump University is way worse than high up officials working with other governments and stirring money around and taking kickbacks and doing all that way worse because it was Trump. I'm just saying that's, mm -hmm. that's why it's way it, worse than like the crime bill that Biden are architected where he put millions of black people in prison. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For, way worse for a plant. Way worse. The Trump university way worse than mm -hmm. that. Wanting to go into the Iraq war. Yeah. Something like that. It's like what infinitesimal. Mm -hmm. He says infinitesimal. It's, sorry. Infinitesimal. I, I don't know these big words. <laughs> um, I'm not as smart as he's Sam. way smarter. Than uh, we are. Yeah. Way smarter. It's, uh, it, it's like a fly to the sun. <laughs> Nate. It's right. not even, it's, it's not even comparable. And let's go a little further. Completely unfair to not have looked at the laptop in a timely way and to have shut down the, you know, the New York Post's Twitter account. Like that, that's a, just a conspiracy, that's a left-wing conspiracy to deny the presidency to Donald Trump. Absolutely it was, absolutely, right? But I think it was warranted. Right. And I'm, and again, it's a coin toss as to whether or not Sam, I'm sorry. that particular piece I'm, I'm really yeah. sorry. I, I was the one that said we should move yeah, yeah. on, but you've just oh, said yeah. something I really struggle Go with there, which is the you kid, the support. Kid, the, kid, the kids in the basement? You, no, no. <laughs> fuck yeah. the kids in the basement. I'm interested yeah. in democracy. You're saying you are content with a left wing conspiracy to prevent somebody being democratically reelected as president. Well, no, I'm, I'm content. Well, so it's, but the thing is, it's just not left wing, right? So Liz Cheney is not left wing. Right, Liz Cheney You're is doing everything in her power. You're conspiracy to prevent somebody no, being democratic. It's not like, a, no, but there's nothing conspiracy. It's not. It, it was a conspiracy out in the open. It does, but it doesn't matter if it was. A, it doesn't matter what parts conspiracy, what parts out in the open. I mean, I think it's like if people get together and talk and talk about what should we do with, about this phenomenon. You know, if if it's like if there if there was an asteroid hurtling toward Earth, and and we got in a room together 
with all of our friends and had a conversation about what we could do to deflect its course, right? Is that a conspiracy? Uh, you see, he tries to go. <clears throat> I noticed this when he was talking to Jordan Peterson that when he would, when he would get caught like that, that he does that little mumbling. Mm-hmm. He's like, "What? Well, no, no, he does yeah. that little like because he's he's caught." He might have realized at that point that it was uh, that it was dumb. Although he did clarify yesterday because he was trending on Twitter uh, quite a bit because of this, and he basically clarified the same stance pretty much. Yeah, like uh, let me. And so it really bothers me to see someone like him, and I don't know why I held him in any kind of higher regard. He's obviously suffering from TDS uh, very strongly, and that's overcoming anything else that's going on in his life. Well, the the reason I struggle with it so much is, like I told you, he wrote a book about lying. Yeah. And why it's so terrible, and that people should know the truth so they can make decisions based on the truth. And the guy wrote an objective stance on why lying is bad for you. So, but he's perfectly willing to alter reality to get the outcome that he thinks is going to be best. And just imagine that's because Trump wants to destroy democracy. Trump wants to destroy people coming together to elect their officials. So they're going to destroy it so someone else can't. Yeah. And so it doesn't make any sense. Then it goes into this idea that we know, we in this higher intellectual elite class, we can still manipulate and choreograph this democracy for the people. So when they make their democratic decisions, well, we should be able to control what information they have so we can truly pick who the person is that's in power to save democracy. And it'll look like democracy. That's insane. Sam. Man, I hope Jordan Peterson challenges them on this one. Disappointing, man. So disappointing. Yeah. All right, let's move on from Sam. This is, and look, this is the problem with no principles. Mm-hmm. Like we talk about this all the time. These people, they're all over the place. You can write a whole book about lying, <laughs> but then justify being deceptive. It's just, it, it's mind boggling. There's no, we are like, we're in this age of like, there's no baseline truth whatsoever, man. And he would be and someone you wonder, that- you wonder why people are, roaming around like looking to politics as religion well that's why things are so freaking confusing right now every single day the rules change on what words you can say and what you can believe and who you can follow and not follow and watch and not watch and it changes all the time this pure subjectivity and when you have someone who goes out there and says you know talking about telling the truth or not lying and then they justify lying or at least keeping the truth from people for their own goals, for their own ends. And so even those people that are in the elite that talk about the objective truth and not lying, they're not even going to live up to it because they're so, they're, they're so overcome by their hatred of Trump. And I still can't figure out where it comes from. Is he a bad guy? Probably. I don't know. Is he worse than all the other people that have been president? I, d- I don't think so. Not based on policy. Really don't think so. Did he say crazier stuff than other presidents? Yeah, because the other ones were way better liars than Trump was. <laughs> That's the only reason. Trump's just like all the other ones, except for he actually told the truth more. That's why people trust him so much, because he's one of the people who came out there and said stuff that other people were thinking but wouldn't say. 
And so that's why so many people trust him when he says something. Because he's known as a truth teller. That's why people hate him. Because they like all of the other liars that have been out there in front of them. I don't know, man. Trust, Trump is a guy. Like, I bet Melania doesn't ask him if this dress makes me look fat. Because <laughs> Trump would be like, yeah, Melania, you need to change that. That's, <laughs> that's a bad dress, Melania. I've seen lots of dresses, Melania. <laughs> That's a bad one. It's a great dress, and I know the people who made it. They're they're really great people, and I know them, and they love me too. But you know, it's just just not for you. Okay. All right, let's go on to number four. We got to move here, Charlie. This is uh, for you right here. We'll read this, and then we'll see a graphic that goes along with it. <clears throat> well, real quick, I just want, this is maybe not a dumb bleep, but the encompassing of Trump. I did everyone see his truth? I just wanted to see that when he when which he, one he's been on a well when tear. he endorsed the uh, Goldman. So I saw that. Yeah. Um, he endorsed him, but the funniest part was he, the whole thing, I think it was sarcastic and funny. Um, the funniest part was that the very end, I think when he said he was not easy to beat, but winning against him made me realize just how very talented I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. He's like, I would like to thank Dan for fighting so hard for America and for working so tirelessly to stop Trump. He was not easy to beat, but winning against him made me realize just how very talented I am. <laughs> so he spoke about himself in the third person, <laughs> then he brought it back to first person. Did you know? Did you see that one? I didn't see that part. No, oh, I just it's... saw that he had endorsed a couple Democrats and basically trying to jokingly play the same game that the Democrats have been playing exactly. in the primary so far. Right. And I saw it's not necessarily talk. dumb, but while we were talking about Trump, I just wanted people. To oh, it almost made hilarious. dumb because I did see an article talking about how Trump was trying to manipulate the elections by endorsing candidates from other parties. Oh, weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That could have made it in, actually. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Charles, All read right. number four. This is from the official Socialist Party of GB. Was Great it? Britain. Great Britain. Why do people work under capitalism and elite unjustly? Uh, an elite unjustly owns the industries, natural resources, etc., and gets the population to work for money to buy goods and services that the population itself provides. This arrangement enables the owning class to profit from exploiting workers. How capitalists get rich. Now, I specifically like that they start with why do people work? They always imply that under socialism, people won't work. You know, no, you wouldn't have to, man. You wouldn't have to. No. People somehow things will just be created and they'll be out there. And uh, now they had this graphic that goes along with it. On the top here, you got this uh, Joe Schmo, we'll call him. He says, I make it. I must work to get money to pay bills. And there's an evil, greedy capitalist figure looking at him. And the evil, greedy capitalist says, I take it. My employees agree to this or they're fired. And so it's the evil, greedy capitalist taking the product of the lowly exploited worker. Mm. And that's the surplus value. And those are the wages that he's uh, given there at the end. So now I didn't get a response from them on this because I did ask some guys. They, they love to respond, but they don't, they're starting to figure out that I'm going to pin them in a corner and then they're going to have to stop responding. And I've called them out for it several times now to their faces in cursive mm -hmm. and uh, they, they don't like it anymore. Uh, but obviously you would still have to work under socialism. The surplus value that they're talking about being taken away. Now, my question on their page was what about the value that that evil greedy businessman brings to the table? Because this guy's saying I make it 
and I have to work so I can pay my bills. Well, he built his part of the factory name. He built his desk yeah. and his office and mm -hmm. or whatever, his section that he stands in. Yeah. yeah. He, he built the machine, mm -hmm. his part of the machine to make his, you know, piece of the piece of the uh, pie there. Listen, you can go in a field and wave your hands around if you want to. But if Elon Musk doesn't build a factory around you, then what you moving your hands around standing in the middle of a field is worth nothing. It's literally worth nothing to anyone. It might be worth a good picture. And <laughs> just acting like you're pushing buttons and yeah. moving stuff around. But mm -hmm. if no one puts a factory there, then you being in this location, moving around, doing this, does nothing at all. Someone has to put all of that stuff around you together. I like how you envision factory workers. They're doing this. <laughs> They're turning levers. <laughs> That's what they do in a factory, right? If we were playing, what is it, Pictionary? Or not Pictionary, it's uh, <laughs> whatever you call it, charades. Yeah. I like how you like You'd be your... like, bulldozer. <laughs> <laughs> this is Nate's charade of factory workers. Yeah. <laughs> No, but there's value that's brought to the table and whatever movements the person is doing are completely valueless if someone doesn't put the factory there first. All this stuff would already be provided, Nate. Don't I you know. know that? I know. The people would come together mm. and create the factory, of course. Yes. That's what they would do, which they could do right now if they wanted to. Yeah. Perfectly but legal. They don't want to do that. And then also Jeff uh, made a good point here. He said, where does the government fit in that picture? Because in this picture, they're talking about how the evil, greedy businessman walks around with some of that person's value that they created. <clears throat> um, of course, there's another person in the picture that also walks away with the value. <clears throat> first off, the first stack, they walk off with some of that. And then they walk off with some of the stack that the businessman's walking away with. And then they even... If that's not enough, they even walk off with some of that little stack down there at the bottom that the workers left with, and they're not depicted in this photo. So I guess that's fine. I don't know. Well, well that's, that's just the price of living in an organized society. Nate. I guess so. Yeah. Well, that's number four. And speaking of how great thou government art. Uh, San Francisco, this is from Reason, spent over $20,000 on a trash can. Jesus Christ. Now, the, well, you know. They're using uh, an exorbitant eye-popping figure here. They did spend 20000 but that's because this is a trash can prototype. They're prototyping trash cans right now. And, of course, when you're not mass-producing, they're more expensive. They're actually saying they can work this price down to about 3000 per trash can. So, For a trash can? Mm-hmm. This summer, a collection of custom and off-the-shelf trash cans hit the streets of San Francisco as the city prepares to replace over 3,000 public bins. The four-year search has yielded three custom-made trash cans designed by a local industrial firm who probably donated a lot of money to people's campaigns. They're now stationed around San Fran, and residents may scan a QR code on the cans to offer feedback in an eight-item questionnaire. The salt and pepper, they've got names for them, the, uh, the salt and pepper came in around 11000 while the slim silhouette costs about 18k and the soft square costs about $21,000. 3 off the shelf models, those are ones that are already made, are also in the mix and they range in price from $630 to $2,800. Jesus, why don't we make trash cans? That's a business to go into, man. My god. Quote, I thought they were like 20-30 bucks down there at Target. 
quote, I'm just imagining like a rally speech right here. Everyone's so inspired and they have signs. Quote, we need to have a trash can that works for the city of San Francisco. City project manager Lisa Zoe said in the video announcing the prototypes, we're trying to come up with one design. If this trash can is able to perform the way it's designed, it's going to save us in the long term. They need to go to Elon Musk for this trash can. If they're save you a... from what? <laughs> trash, man. <clears throat> Matt Haney. What the hell is Haney. going on? Matt Haney. This is the, I mean, it's the government, man. They're providing the public service. You'd like it. God. These people can't be serious. Oh, they're serious. And don't call them Shirley. How? Matt Haney, a former San Francisco supervisor, questioned the plan during the Board of Supervisors Budget and Finance Committee last year. Quote, why are we still doing this rather than putting out a bunch of different types of cans that are already produced, that are much cheaper, that are already performing well? And then make, imagine like your trash can performance, you know, when you put trash in it. Mm -hmm. Is there trash in the can? Can people put trash in the can? You need like four years and a whole new subcommittee spending hundreds of thousands of taxpayer dollars to come up with this kind of a thing Mm. for sure. Yeah. He says, this is very expensive, much longer, uncertain process. The uh, then interim public works director, Alaric de Grafenreid. De Grafenreid. De Grafenreid objected that San Francisco is obviously very unique and city officials weren't happy with the look of the off-the-shelf cans. They don't look good. They've got right. plenty of money to upgrade. Yeah, you can't you can't do that. Instead, they plowed ahead with a four hundred twenty-seven thousand dollars plan to produce a bespoke pro- to produce bespoke prototype bins. City officials have waved away the steep costs of the custom bins by saying that if they're chosen, they'll only only end up costing between two thousand to three thousand per unit once they're mass produced. That cost. But they need three thousand of them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, That's I know. Six million dollars. Nine million. Sorry. That cost well, three my... times three, yeah, but three times two, let's go with the lower number, which is not gonna happen. Yeah, but, but... the actual number is gonna be double. Yeah. It's at least nine million. That cost might hurt a bit less if the bins were at least accomplishing what the officials hoped they would, namely encouraging public cl- cleanliness. But the Associated Press reports that several cans are already tagged with graffiti <laughs> and surrounded by large trash items. You see, they're trying to deal with the trash on the street. They're making these cans that it's actually harder to put trash in. And what they found is the people are just stacking up trash around the cans. (laughs) Street trash has been an issue in San Francisco for decades. That problem worsened in 2007 when then-Mayor Gavin Newsom eliminated about 1,500 of the city's 4,500 trash cans because they were becoming magnets for more trash. These are the people leading (laughs) our fucking country right now. These people are in positions of power making Mm -hmm. these stupid ass decisions. What is happening? I don't know, man. It's like children. (laughs) What is going on? Like, I feel like this is like, this has got to be an augmented reality. I don't know. I, I think this is just what we're left with right now. We just got to try and work through it, you know, Christ picking up the pieces that our, that our parents left us. 
what what is happening I seriously I, I i i don't even know what to say because i'm just like surely this is a joke it's not a joke and That's, they're really gonna spend millions of dollars on these bespoke trash cans <laughs> to clean up the streets and it's not gonna work people gonna, are just gonna stack more trash around them it's gonna be worse yeah yeah all right let's we move on make to number it easier five. for people number, to put trash and things this okay. is only oh this was number five let's move on to number six Charles, this is the Gadsden flag article from NPR. Governor Ron DeSantis said a new Florida license plate featuring the Revolutionary War era Gadsden flag sends a clear message to out-of-state cars. Critics say it symbolizes a dangerous, far-right extremist ideology. (laughs) All right. When uh, Ron DeSantis recently tweeted that image of the Gadsden flag um, with the words, don't tread on me, he said it sends a clear message to out-of-state cars. The imagery of the Revolutionary War as the Gasson flag dates to Benjamin Franklin, but has, for many, come to symbolize a far-right extremist ideology and the Stop the Steal movement that sought to overturn the 2020 presidential <laughs> election results. I had, but, like what Jeff just said, I have a Gasson flag on, on my car. Well, you were there, yeah. obviously. Mm-hmm. But such plates have gotten pushback, not only in Florida, but in states such as Kansas, Missouri, and Virginia where similar plates have been available as fundraising tools for various organizations. Quote, the state can't claim a lack of knowledge about what this image represents to most of the public, says Rachel Carroll Rivas, Deputy Director of Research and Analysis for the Intelligence Project at Southern Poverty Law Center. Most of the public, this represents basically just racism or Trump fans. Uh, because a couple people had flags at the mm-hmm. Stop the Steal rally. And we know that the Southern Poverty Law Center is an extreme, extreme example of an organization that does everything by the book and is perfect. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. The long history of Don't Tread on Me, Ben Franklin, oh Benji, was the first to use the rattlesnake as a symbol of defiance against the British crown, says Mark Leibson, author of, of, of Flag, an American biography. In 1775, Christopher Gadsden, a South Carolina politician, took that menacing rattlesnake and put it on a flag. One thing we can say about its origins, regardless of how it's used or who uses it and why it's used today, is that it really was just completely an anti-British and anti-colonial symbol, he says. Now, I highlighted anti-colonial because from the left, there's a big push for anti-colonialism. And this flag was literally... An anti-colonial flag. But the people who want colonialism have taken this flag and now use it as their Mm -hmm. symbol. Of course. Yeah. Because the the people who want to be left alone, like the don't tread on me, like leave me alone, that's basically what that means. Yeah. Are the same people who want to destroy democracy and control over people's lives. I got you. Now it's coming together. Yeah, total sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Rob Walker, writing for The New Yorker, said the Gaston design remained something of a revolutionary relic for many years. However, by the 1970s, it had become uh, popular in libertarian circles as a symbol of ideological enthusiasm for minimal government and the rights of individuals. Hey, they said the word libertarian. They sure did. Membership just went up. Capital L, too. Mm -hmm. Then came the Tea Party movement which adopted the banner in 2010 as a sort of a catch-all symbol of disgust with government. Since then, it has gone on to become a symbol for anti-government groups and individuals. 
like terrorists. Yeah. Like domestic, domestic terrorist extremists. Far right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, plates in other states are also political. Quote, I've seen some live free or die license plates in New Hampshire, which of course has been the state motto for decades. Uh, you could argue that certainly is a political statement with a fairly strong libertarian streak. District of Columbia plates, which have long supported an iteration of the colonial era rallying cry, no taxation without representation. Now, I've left this paragraph in there so I could make fun of that. Are also in that vein. Can someone confirm this for me? That Washington, D.C.'s plates have an iteration of no taxation without representation. (laughs) If so, that is quite possibly the most ironic thing I've ever heard. (laughs) Could you imagine purchasing those special plates? I mean, seriously. (laughs) In Washington. Yeah. No Mm. taxation without representation. Well, you know. uh, Dalek continues here, but I think You're telling me (laughs) that there are IRS agents and have plates on their cars that say no taxation without representation. Yeah, this is real life, Nate. Yeah. Okay. It's just what we're dealing with. Mm. All right. Yeah. Quote, but I think so what you're trying to say is that legislators and the people who work for them in Washington, D.C. could have plates with these words on them. Mm. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'm done now. All right. Quote. But I think the don't tread on me has a different, <laughs> don't tread on me has a different, more extreme connotations. And therefore it is more political and certainly is much more politicized, politicized. Kansas adopted the plate after Jan 6, despite the governor's veto. Mm. That's a lot of domestic terrorists there in Kansas, obviously. Democrat Dinah Sykes, or Dina Sykes, whatever her name is, minority leader in the Kansas uh, Senate, opposed the measure when it came up for vote in March of last year. Whatever the original uh, symbiology of the Gaston flag was, I think a lot of people would argue that it's become a symbol of the people who marched on the Capitol. <laughs> no shit! <laughs> well, and that's, you know, th- that is also a little bit hypocritical as well, because a lot of the people who marched on the Capitol just want their government to tread on them. You know, yeah. they're ran by the people that they like. Yeah. And so that that is annoying. I agree with that person. That that's I mean, annoying. Hey, we're going to... At the s- end of the day, hmm. what is the Second Amendment for? Because, like... It's for hunting deer, Charlie. Yeah. Clearly. Uh, we're going to skip over one because Charlie does have a hard stop, and I want him to be here for uh, a couple of these. Actually, if you want to do this one, I can check on that hard stop real quick. Oh, you're yeah. going to check and see? Okay. Yeah, we'll do that. I'll just we'll keep in order because there is a chance that he doesn't have a hard stop. All right, so we'll move on to the next one. Here is why I don't remember who this came from in the private group, but thanks for putting it out there. It was probably Costco, but we'll see. Here's why teachers are burnout. And then we're going to do a lot of talking about teachers after this. And we'll go through some of the list of why teachers are burnout. Now, I happen to know someone who's been a teacher for a long time, and that's as far as I'm going. So I am interested. Why are they burnout right now? Let's go through. They're burnout from the pandemic. They had to go back and forth from virtual and in-person instruction. So what they're talking about in this conversation, by the way, is that teachers are quitting their jobs because they're burnout, not making enough, stuff like that. And so the burnout from the pandemic, that's one. Number two is teachers are underpaid. They make about 20% less than other college-educated professionals. They make 
percent less than other college educated professionals. Well, I have some bad news and trust me, I would love for the people close to me to make more money for sure and get paid what we would deem to be fair. Here's the problem. They also work about 25% less than other college educated professionals. Do you have to, you have a stop? Nope. Really? So this is all about why teachers are burned out, Charlie. First one was from the pandemic. Number two is that they're underpaid because they make 20% less. Mm. Here's one thing, and I know that teachers are heroes and we love them, but we have to introduce into the conversation the fact that they're about the only profession where you have this career and this salary 12 months out of the year, but you only have to work nine months out of the year. And then there's like a whole other month of days off also. And so when you actually look well, at the amount teachers of teachers are working all the time, though, I've man. done this it's before a mental load. Okay. It is. It's a super difficult job. I can tell you right now, I wouldn't be a teacher for that pay for mm -hmm. sure. You'd no. have to pay me a lot more. I mean, I, I think they're underpaid only because of what the profession is. Yeah. Not relative to like the amount of hours they work and things like that. I'm just saying that like the, the, a lot of teachers are saints. Mm -hmm. Like your mom. Mm -hmm. I can't believe she did what she did for the amount of pay that she got. I and would she, agree. She put up with a lot. I would agree with that statement. But the sad truth of the matter is that when you make a chart comparing and saying that they make 20% less than other college educated professionals, I think the amount of months per year that you work and the amount of months where you don't have to work should be brought into that equation. And the truth of the matter is teachers get a lot of time off from school. Mm -hmm. And if they make 20% less than other college educated professionals, that might have something to do with the fact that they also work about 20 to 25% less than other professionals who have to go to work even yeah. during the summer. Well, we're not talking about the actual problems, right? Yeah. The real problem is like inflation. Mm -hmm. Like, so the teacher's wages aren't going up as fast as inflation is. And so, yeah, they're as, as we continue on in the future in society teachers are getting poor or the fact that they work for a government provided free service and so the people providing the yeah. government free service aren't getting paid very well well which leads to the actual problem which is we don't know how to monetize the people serving industry it's very difficult to scale we know how to monetize right? it we just don't know how to value it over other things well like the pro well, one of the problems you have is, is that like, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you look at it, like kids, they don't really produce any economic value. Not right now. They take a lot mm -hmm. of economic value, but they don't produce any, right? It's a, uh, you can call it an investment or whatever. Uh, Jordan Peterson puts it this way. We don't know how to monetize it. Like we don't, there, there is a long dependency period of children. Right. Back in the day, back in the good old days, it was like eight years. Now, <laughs> then you could put them to work in the field, you know, yeah. but nowadays they got to wait till they're like 18 shit. Now it's like 26 till they get off your health insurance before they become a productive member of society. Some of them are living in the basement until 40. Anyway, doesn't matter. <laughs> what I'm saying is there's a long period of time where the dependency of children, they are taking economic value and not producing any economic value that does cost more money. How do you solve that problem? That's the actual underlying problem. And then you couple that with inflation and over government spending and all of these things, people are getting poorer. Whereas like, dude, think like 
10, 15 years ago, making 40 grand a year as a teacher was pretty decent. Like, you know, you could afford a decent place to rent or buy. Like you mm-hmm. could actually afford to buy a home and those kinds of things. And, uh, you, you weren't rich by any means, but you could have a, an okay living. Like you weren't struggling really nowadays, get a job making 40 grand a year. I, I feel like that'd be making minimum wage. <clears throat> not, not because it's minimum wage, but because of everything has gotten so expensive, especially in, you know, places like Nashville and because Austin. of capitalist greed, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's the actual problem. Let's move on. There's other reasons here. What else do we have? Teachers are facing restrictions on what they're allowed to say in the classroom. That's a reason that teachers are burnt out right now. You see, because most teachers are insane, woke leftists who uh, think that all of their kids are transgender and uh, want to talk about their uh, gay partners all the time. Mm. And that's why teachers are burnt out and quitting right now. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you the actual reason. Obviously, we're just joking right there. They're burdened by the threat of gun violence. It's another reason teachers are quitting. The 2020 to 2021 academic year had 93 school shootings. So teachers are constantly fearful of active shooter incidents at their own schools. Now, I'm glad they said it that way. I'm glad they said 93 school shootings. And then the next paragraph says they're fearful of active shooter incidents at their their own schools. Because there are not 93 active shooter incidents at the schools. Mm -hmm. So I'm so glad that they use that type of phraseology. And then they put their sources, and I only put this in here because none of those sources have to do with school violence or gun violence. Those all just had to do with uh, people talking about why they're upset. So I put one in here for them from NBC News. And uh, I didn't realize they said 2020 to 2021, but in 2022, which uh, most people would say we have about three or 4,000 school, school shootings from mm-hmm. what I can tell yeah. so far this year. NBC News says that there have been four in 2022. And why is that? That's because they're talking about active shooting, indiscriminate shooter type ins- the kind that people are actually worried about, Uvalde. And that was clearly the worst one. But where someone came into a school looking to kill people at the school indiscriminately or anything like that, you got four of them. And that's from NBC. All right. That's what people are worried about. People are not worried about there being uh, gang violence in the parking lot at 9 p.m. to midnight to 3 a.m. overnight. And a lot of them are things like that. Or someone discharged a gun accidentally in the parking lot. That's not what people are worried about. But that's what goes in the school shootings. Mm -hmm. Because if a gun is fired on the school property then it is a school shooting, even if it was not someone going into the school trying to kill as many people as they could. Yep. And so that one is pretty annoying. And I'll tell you why teachers are burned out. It's because the kids suck. Yeah. That's why. And you know what? Kids are hard. Do you know what sucks worse than kids? Someone else's kids. And you know what sucks worse than that? A bunch of them at the same time. And then on top of that. Working for the government. Their parents. Their parents, yes. That's what's worse than kids. That is true. The only thing worse than the kids in your classroom are those kids' parents. And nowadays... Well, there's really a spectrum. You can have awesome parents. Mm -hmm. There's like no in-between. It's just like you have... There's a few like awesome parents who are on top of their kids' stuff. They're trying to help the teacher, all of that. And then you have... Most of them are horrible. Their kid does nothing wrong. The teachers... It's a conspiracy against their kid. Yeah. Always. 
Yep. It always is. Nowadays, you're taught to uh, that kids are right. What? Kids are the customer. The customer is always yeah. right, Nate. <laughs> they are treated like they're the customer. And my somehow, teacher told me that I had a lumpy butt. <laughs> so I peed in my pants. <laughs> Still sitting in my dirty pee pants. Mm-hmm. And, and so now that kids are right, the parents treat it as if their kids would never lie, which is the dumbest idea yeah. in the history of the world. Yeah. Are there bad teachers out there that would, you know, treat kids like crap and everything? Yeah, but that's rare. Um, Even indoctrination. Are there bad teachers out there indoctrinating? Still rare. Mm-hmm. Most the of the time, your kid's a liar. Because yeah. it comes naturally to mm-hmm. kids, to human beings in general. And they don't ever want to be, nothing's their fault. They don't want to take any responsibility at all. And these parents are teaching their Sometimes kids. they don't blame them. They're doing a bunch of work for no pay. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> I mean. It's true. I remember, so when I, like, when I was in high school, that's what I, my thought. Well, as I got older, when I started working, it was, which was around 12, I started working. Well, I worked with you at your dad's farm. I worked mm-hmm. for my neighbor across the street. Uh, at a nursery i was mowing yards and stuff like that so i was getting paid for my tasks so when i would go to school and i'd be assigned homework and stuff i'd be like i don't want to do that no one's paying me to do this homework why do i have to do (laughs) it i have a job (laughs) oh yeah this is ridiculous i could go i could sit here and do this homework for nothing which was it's not nothing it's knowledge but in my mind there's no transaction taking place it was like or i could go plant some trees at the nursery across the street from my house and they're going to give me, I think it was $5 an hour. Mm-hmm. So if I can get, you know, 10 trees planted over the next two hours, I can make 10 bucks. It's a dollar per tree. Pretty good business. Mm-hmm. And it's good for the environment. And at 12 years yeah. old, I was like, hmm. But back then you could also see, but see, this is what happens when you get old. As you start getting older, you're always like, well, back then. <laughs> yeah. Because, but back then I could buy a Coke. <laughs> All right. Can of Coke for 50 for cents. A nickel. No, 50 yeah. cents. Yeah. Two quarters. Nickel for a gallon of gas. Yeah. It was two quarters back then. And so it was nice. Like, it was nice when I made $10 on a Wednesday afternoon because I can go get myself a ice cold Coca Cola. Yeah. For 50 Just cents. Put two quarters money. in there. That put you down two quarters, which meant technically you were in a recession. That's. All right. Yeah. Do you like that? Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move on to, okay, read this for me here, Charlie. This is one of the things I didn't have uh, time to dig into the entire article, but Austin Peterson posted this. We're sticking on teachers in schools here for a minute. This is the next one? This is, uh, this is Dumb Leap number eight. Now a word from our sponsor, BetterHelp. I do a lot of things to take care of my mind. For a while there, it wasn't something that I ever thought about. I thought I could just go through life and not ever think about my mental health whether or not I was too stressed out, whether or not I was burnt out, whether or not there were things that I could actually solve. But if you think about it, you're only going to get this one mind, this one brain, and you should really take good care of it in the same way that you would take care of your car if you were going to have to use it for the rest of your life. Don't waste any of your time being upset, angry, depressed, anxious, burnt out, stressed out, when there could be something you could do to actually fix it. There's a lot of things you can do, by the way. You could take some naps if you want to. You can take some time off, take a vacation. But there's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. So therapy is something I've done. Charlie uses BetterHelp still. He's been using it for over a year now. So if there's something that you need to talk to someone about, you could use BetterHelp. Now BetterHelp is an online therapy that offers video, phone, 
and even live chat-only therapy sessions, so you don't have to see anyone on the camera if you don't want to. It's a lot more affordable than in-person therapy. You can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours, and our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com gml. That's betterhelp.com slash GML. I want to tell you guys about a sponsor for the show, which is the Expat Money Show from our good friend, Mikkel Thorup. Listen, becoming an expat, that is a difficult decision. But for those of you that are in any way on the fence about this, you're curious about it, you wonder about the logistics of it, hands down, Expat Money Show is the best place to go to hear all of the advice, all of the strategy on how to do this. You're going to learn all about precious metals, uh, how to store your money best way possible. You're going to learn about cool things like how to legally avoid paying taxes, getting passports so you can travel all around the world, how to actually protect the assets that you have from some of these tyrannical governments. And by the way, there is an expat online money summit, the expat money summit that is coming up in November. And yes, it is going to have the one and only Ron Paul speaking. It's not the easiest thing in the world to do. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but I tell you what, Mikkel, he knows exactly what to do because he has been living this life. He's not just a guy that's out there talking about this thing that you can do. He's literally living it on a daily basis. He knows everything there is to know about becoming an expat. So go to the expat money show, listen to that podcast and also go sign up for the free expat money summit coming up in November. Once again, go to the expat money show on all of your podcast apps and go to the link in the show notes. So you can sign up for the free online expat money summit. All right. As a teacher in Oakland, California, Kareem Weaver helped struggling fourth and fifth grade kids learn to lead, uh, learn to read uh, which I'm not doing very well by using a very structured phonics based reading curriculum called open court. It worked for the students, but not so much for the teachers for seven years in a row. Oakland was the fastest gaining urban district in California for reading recalls Weaver and we hated it. The teachers felt this curriculum uh, felt like curriculum robots and pushed back. This seems dehumanizing. This is colonizing. This is the man telling us what to do, says Weaver, describing their response to the approach. So we fought tooth and nail as a teacher group to throw that out. It was replaced in 2015 by a curriculum that emphasized rich literary experiences. Those who wanted to fight for social justice, they figured that this was the new progressive way of teaching reading. Uh, This new progressive way of teaching reading was the way. (laughs) So this thing's working too well. Throw it out. Don't you hate it when you're like the fastest gaining district in California for reading? Yeah. You know what you got to do? You got to change that up. Yeah. It's like, you know, like if, if I was like, man, you, those, uh, you got nice, like your pecs are looking nice. You're like, you're like, well, yeah, I've been doing this uh, routine here, this curriculum where I do these pushups. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do different styles of pushups to work different muscles or whatever. And I'm like, and it's working well. And you're like, well, we're not, let's throw that out. We know. Let's that. instead read about push-ups, <laughs> and then uh, that's a better way of learning how uh, push-ups work. But we don't actually have to. We don't actually have to do the push-ups, but we still want the same results without putting. You know, I. It, it's hard to do work, Nate. In it this case, hard. all I hear is that it's not about whether or not the kids learn how to read good. 
It's mm-hmm. all about how much social justice training they get. And whether or not the teachers like it. Yeah. And whether or not the teachers are having a good time instilling these very basic lifelong skills in the kids. And if the teachers aren't having a good time, you got to throw it out. Because everyone else who works a job, they freaking love it. Every single day they go in, turning the levers all the time, <laughs> back and forth. And they just can't wait to get in there and do their job all the time. So you can't have teachers going out there for almost no pay, slave wages, going out there, dealing with active shooters on a daily basis and pandemics galore and not having fun teaching their kids. Mm-hmm. This is all about social justice here, Charlie. That yeah. was uh, You can't have this colonizing. Let's go on the number nine, sticking on teachers here for a minute. Of course, we had to talk about this. I had to wait all week. I had to wait all week to talk me, about this. I think this. you told me about this on Monday. Oh, from the New York Post. White teachers would be laid off first under Minnesota teacher's contract. This is a real thing. When I saw this posted, I was like, okay, no, that's not a real thing. Yeah, this is Someone's, real. It's fake news. This is in the metaverse. Minneapolis, Minneapolis public school teachers of color will have additional job protections this upcoming school year under a new contract that would allow them to keep their jobs rather than white instructors that have more seniority. The labor agreement's intent was to protect underrepresented populations and keep the district's predominantly white staff from becoming more homogenous, a report said Monday. The agreement states that teachers of color may be exempted from district-wide layoffs outside seniority order, according to Minnesota outlet Alpha News, which published the language on Sunday. Starting with the spring 2023 budget, if accessing, which is reducing a teacher who is a member of a population underrepresented among licensed teachers in the site, the district shall access the next least senior teacher who is not a member of an underrepresented population. The agreement said that past discrimination had made the district's teaching staff underrepresented to the community and resulted in a lack of diversity of teachers, according to the article. The teachers union said the school district mutually agreed on the deal. A Minneapolis public school spokesperson reportedly said a representative of the upper Midwest law center told alpha news. The agreement was unconstitutional. Clearly it's going to be pretty easily taken away. The collective bargaining agreement openly discriminates against white teachers based only on the color of their skin and not the seniority or merit. Mm-hmm. It can be. And from the Minneapolis Federation of teachers, They said, this can be a national model, and schools in other states are looking to emulate what we did. From Edward Barlow. Mm -hmm. How ridiculous would you say this is on a scale of one to this story? Well, Nate, the only way I know how to fix racism Mm. is with racism. Mm -hmm. That's the only way I know how to fix it. Because, you see, these teachers... Well, they, if you get rid of them, the white, the whiteies, the white Miss Whitey over there, Mm. you get rid of her, that is justice because of past discrimination that happened. The, that's how you right the wrongs that have happened previously. You get rid of people who are in their jobs today, who were burnt out, not getting paid enough, having to deal with the pandemic, dealing with active shooters all the time and having to teach this colonial uh, reading program to people. And you get rid of them solely based on the fact that they're white. Yes. 
Yeah, because that's better. It's it's too hard to convince all the white people to kill themselves. <laughs> so, um, because they are just horrible. Yeah. Just because they're white. We don't know anything about them. Is this a literal white replacement theory taking <laughs> place right now? I think this so. This is like on the job white yeah. replacement <laughs> that's happening. It's, it's literally, yeah. <laughs> and those people are horrible. We know nothing about them, but that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Because we know the color of their skin. And that's what's important. Can they're, you imagine the animosity? Between, they're not even human. Do you think that like racism between the coworkers is any better? Like knowing like now that they need to get rid of people, even though I've been here longer than you and that's how they do oh. it, which is a stupid rule anyway. Oh, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause if you just think about yourself as a white person mm-hmm. and uh, after this was passed and agreed upon, you probably looked in the mirror and you're like, I deserve that. <laughs> yep. I deserve this because of what happened yep. in the in the fifties. Mm-hmm. This is definitely my fault. It's my cross the bear. It's your cross. Mm-hmm. What you should do is attribute the past sins of anyone who had the same skin color to a person who has that skin color right now. Mm-hmm. And that is how you solve racism. This is so ridiculous. <laughs> That's this, number nine. Um This is dumb. But you know, Charlie, we're dealing with a lot of uh, there's a lot of racism out there and that's what they're dealing with. And I just wanted to play this after we got done with the teacher discussion and all the racism discussion and all the burnout that's going on. And of course, Minnesota solving racism. And uh, we'll just play this random thing from, I don't know what channel this is on or whatever. This is black women own the conversation. I don't know what channel this is. Probably own Oprah's Oprah's network. They use the word own, Mm -hmm. which ownership is wrong anyway. The The Oprah Winfrey network. All right, here we go. You can't get access to good health care, good insurance. The research says that black women, when we do the same diets as white women, we lose less weight and we lose it slower, even when we're following the diet than our white women counterparts. And what and what public health practitioners think is that our stress responses in the body change our metabolism. It's literally that. The racism that you're experiencing and the struggle to make ends meet actually means the diet don't work for you the same. Okay. She's validating their feelings. I know. <laughs> I love Listen, the, it's not your fault. I love the crowd. I'm like, right. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Right. It's not my fault. No, literally, if you are a fat black woman, it's because of racism. Yeah. No matter what diet you've done or anything, it's because of white people. It's because of the racism that you experience on a daily basis. And the diet guidelines that they're giving you are all based on white women. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't affect black women the same because of the stress from the racism that black women deal with. That's why. Now, we have to disclaimer, not saying that no one deals with racism. That's true. And stress does cause weight gain. Yeah, it absolutely can. But then attributing this to racism, the only thing I can come up with now, outside of people who truly do deal with racism on a daily basis, outside of that, a lot of this, let's say it was because of racism, but let's not say it's actual racism that you deal with. It is the stress of believing that there is racism around you all the time and that all the white people hate you and that they're racist against you and that you're in a terrible position because of the color of your skin and you can't get ahead because of the color of your skin. And you could actually truly attribute the stress of that to weight gain or the inability to lose weight, but it would be about something that doesn't exist. There's a term for that. Um, 
it's like MFP, I think. Mm, I don't know. Mass. No. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to say it because this will be banned, but yeah, I think there's a term for that. I do believe that we're in a cycle and that so many people believe that racism is so prominent and that so many people are racist or that so many people hate them. I've talked about this before and I don't know what this makes me, but when I go into a store in my neighborhood, I'm the only white, I'm the only white person there. I'll just say that. I've said this before, but I feel like everyone there is mad at you. Hates me mm -hmm. because I'm white. And maybe that's because they think that I'm racist, but I'm actually probably being weird because I think that everyone hates me. And you know what the truth is? They're probably not really thinking about me at all. You know, they're probably not. Most, most people, anyway, not really thinking about that. And so I'm actually helping further that cycle. Maybe I act weird or I act uh, uncomfortable because I feel like I'm in a room where everyone's looking at me wanting to, you know, they hate me because I'm not going to say because they hate me. I did say that just then. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say that, but that's actually how it, uh, oh, they hate me because I'm Asian. <laughs> Good point, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> but it's that. That's because you can get into Harvard. It's that perception <laughs> of the alleged racism that everyone believes exists. And when in fact, it's not really there because I'm not racist, which I know saying that makes you racist. Well, of course, you know. Yeah. It, or what if it's believing that all white people are racist? You're just like any other cisgendered white male. You mm -hmm. can't take ownership of your problems. I know. I know. You're, yeah. You don't take any ownership whatsoever. You just deviate. Mm -hmm. And you're always passing the buck off to someone else. Oh. Mansplaining your way through life with all the privilege, advantages, hell of a lot of advantages. A lot of them. Yeah. That no one else has, you know? All right. Let's run back through these dumb bleeps and get the votes in. Number one, CIA director talking about how Republicans are the worst extremists. Well, well, let me, let me, I want to finish that. Okay. By saying that, uh, 99% of the time, if you're overweight, it's because of the choices that you've made. Mm. Literally. You're saying now, personal responsibility. I'm not saying that people haven't experienced racism or that hasn't added stress, but no matter what your feelings are, you still get to make a choice. Right? Like if I'm feeling sad, I can eat a whole pint of ice cream. I don't even like ice cream, but whatever. I could eat a whole package of Oreos. Like, or I could go work out. Like that's like those are just two choices that I have. I could also sit on the couch and do nothing. Or I could go outside and uh, you know, water my yard because I just got new sod or whatever. Yeah. I could climb up the steps, I could give my son a bath, whatever. Like you still have to make the choice. No one's it, no one's is forcing you to go to McDonald's and order 10,000 calories and shoving it down the gullet. Well, actually, Charlie, because of the disproportionate uh, income inequality and the lower earnings of uh, marginalized populations, they typically only have unhealthy options. Mm. And so pretty much any fat black person you see, it's a, because of racism. Yeah. And so it's about it. And I say that. You know, as someone who wants to lose weight, but it's on me to do that. I have no stressors in my life. Yeah. I'm mostly white and partially Asian, which means I'm a privileged genius. So I have no stress yeah. at all. 
but as the, other people do. As the uh, the Ellen Woods in here are telling us, uh, they need better help. Better they help, do need better help can help you. Betterhelp.com slash GML. By the way, they do that, not endorse the things that we say on the podcast. No, I don't of course want to tie don't. them to that. Mm-hmm. But they have been a sponsor for like two years. Yeah. So maybe they do. <laughs> I don't know. No, they don't. <laughs> no, they're just sponsors. Yeah. They're a place they're you can go. They're not taking a stance. They're a place that you can go to I do get hear help. them on a lot of libertarian podcasts, though. Yeah. I heard Dave Smith doing an ad for him the other day. There I was you like, go. I know that script. I, I bet <laughs> they're on all the podcasts. I heard the, I heard the ad and I go, I know this. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, let's get votes going, though. Number number one, uh, CIA director, extremism. Number two, Trump equals Al Capone. Number three, Sam Harris, truth teller. Number four, the socialists of Great Britain talking about capitalism. Number five, $20,000 trash cans. Number six, the Gadsden racism. Number seven, all the reasons that teachers are burnt out. Number eight, uh, this time piece uh, about clearly wanting to change the curriculum because it's working too well. Number nine, Minnesota allowing white teachers to be fired first. And number 10, weight gain is racist or the ability, the inability to lose weight is because of racism. Mm. That's number 10. Get your boat, Sam. I'm going to get my votes in. I'm going to get my votes in. All right, y'all, while you're voting, the only ones that can vote are part of the live group. So go to joingmail.com and uh, be part of the live group so you can get the pre-show. You can get the voting every Friday. You can be part of Dumb Bleep of the Year. Go to godhatesfeds.com, godhatesfeds.com. Pick up your favorite merch, including the God Hates Feds t-shirt. Back, uh, well, uh, produced by popular demand because uh, God does hate feds. He doesn't hate, <laughs> he doesn't hate many things, but he does hate feds. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, it says it right there in uh, John chapter eight verses uh, 48 and 50. Yeah. Skips over one of the verses 49. Is it true that number seven is winning right now? Why teachers are burned out? Is that the one that's going everyone uh, voting? Oh wait, I just put this under the wrong one. That was number uh, nine. I put it under number eight. Yeah. So fix that. Trying to put in some of these just to clarify. Make sure everyone knows. Because that's the, that's unexpected if that's the one that's winning right now. Mm-hmm. Come on, go through there. Well, what? I know there's no labels. That's why I read through all of them. Mm-hmm. I think I think the votes are showing that uh, why teachers are burnout going, going once, going oh, twice. Sam Harris is getting up there. Going three times and why teachers are burned out is the winner. How about that? That's surprising. Is it because Charlie left during that one? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. All right, y'all. If you enjoyed today's episode of Dumb Bleep, please share the show with a friend, family member, and a foe. And share it with teachers, obviously. They seem to need to hear this one. Uh, Make sure you're not lying out there. Tell the truth. Uh, Unlike Sam Harris. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) And uh, and if you do all of those things, we'll be back again on Monday. I hope you have a good day and a good weekend and a good morning, Liberty.